0: Hello, everybody. Good evening, and welcome to Basic Binges, part of Nom Talk Network. On this show, we review popular shows while eating and drinking our binge worthy snacks and drinks. If you're watching live, please don't forget to redeem those channel points. Redeem them carefully because last time it was so funny, but awesome, but funny, but also tedious. But do it. Redeem those channel points. We love it. Um, I am your Temporary host for the evening, Mike Manolo, is taking the night off doing some wonderful and amazing things, probably just being amazing and <laughs> being a scroll at some other location. But I am your temporary host, Jordan Orozco. And right now I'm enjoying some lovely um chicken chow mein that my dad made mm. um in the wok. So it's like yummy and delicious. Ugh. um I had some ribs and some like mac and cheese casserole, but I was like, eh, I want some um mm. wonderful little chow mein. And of course, as always, I have my wonderful, beautiful, and amazing scroll Mai Tai. Um provided to us by Cutwater. Please sponsor us Cutwater. We love you. Um, <laughs> you're awesome. And while you're rebranding, you might as well rebrand for Nom for Nom Talk Network. Um, but other than that, I would love to say hello, welcome, and hi to my wonderful guests for the evening who we cannot do um these wonderful reviews. Um, let's say hi to Michael, Tony, and Puma. So good to see you all. Puma, good to see you again hey. for the second episode um and michael and tony tony it's been a long time i haven't seen you in a long time so it's so good to see you um and michael it's been um it's been a minute so let's start yeah. with you michael what are you enjoying what are you eating right now
1: uh i've got a little uh, mac and cheese here chicken mac and cheese and i'm uh, enjoying and uh it's so hot i had to get the cold the coldest thing in my fridge it was like an old lemonade so i'm drinking that <laughs>
0: Nice. That sounds yeah. yummy. And Tony, it is so good to see you as always. What are you nomin' on? What do you, you snack on?
2: Um, I actually, we just got dinner and usually I eat a proper dinner before I get here and then maybe like munch and snack on something else. But yeah, I'm actually in the middle of dinner and we went to boiling crab so I've got fried oh. oysters and I don't know if I'm gonna actually eat this during the stream so I might just have to wait till afterwards I've got full-blown crab legs
0: dang, Potatoes. Nice.
2: yeah man so um yeah but that's what I've got so who's to, who, who can say what 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 the moon you know, strike?
0: what who Who knows who knows what tonight <laughs> no, this night we'll go. Yeah, yeah but it looks really good and Puma good to see you with your eye patch it is so I'm wonderful. doing my fury you
2: know? chic you know I love
0: it Oh no! It's like it's like it's like Fury Slay. That's what yeah, I'm getting you from you. Um, what What are you namin on? What are you chomping on?
3: I'm like the Yossification of Nick Fury. Um, <laughs> but-
0: <laughs> that should be an album. <laughs> That should be an album um, from Spice
3: Of course. This is how you can tell I'm a scroll. If you don't see me drinking whiskey, that means it's not me. I'm always not sipping me. on whiskey. It's my beverage of choice. And I also went to H Mart the other day, and we got these really cool little ice cream things. I don't know what they are, what they're called. It's watermelon flavored, and it's amazing. So I'm going to... This is my partner's, and he left it in the freezer and went. So I'm going to sneak it, and I'll buy <laughs> more later. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Huh. <laughs>
0: You're like, sorry, I'm it's mine, so it's hot. I'm sorry, um, you know, it's hot, it's ridiculous. It's if you're hot, in California, anybody too. in California, yeah, like anybody in California, <laughs> you already know, shit's about to get real this summer. Um, yes. But yes, it is so good to see you all. So, if you haven't already guessed by my background or what we're talking about tonight, we are talking about um, Secret Invasion Episode Two, which was a doozy, uh, it, um, I think for me. Um, the denial of Maria Hill's death sort of set in for me at the beginning of this episode and I teared up and I, like, I su- surprised, I was like, oh, oh you know, the scene um, where they're taking her casket out um, and Fury has that moment with her mom and then just continuing on to sort of tie in the events after Captain Marvel to um, what we are sort of talking about, you know, tonight, um, which is um, this episode and sort of the sort of depths of the, the depths of what Gravik will do, right, in order to get that sort of, like, um, to get scrolls to have their own planet, right? Um, And so let's just dive into this episode because there's a lot to cover, right? There's a lot of things, there's actually a lot of, like, funny things, but then also some serious topics to to talk about. So um, as we talked about last time, I know when Jen was on, and I think you, Puma, um, had said, like, we kind of don't want to believe that Maria Hill is dead. I was like, I hope they do some sort of like a Colson thing, right? Where they brought him back for Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. But clearly she's dead, right? And Nick Fury is having to um, sort of deal with these emotions about her dying, right? And like her dying for him. Um, but then the last thing that she saw was him killing her and her believing that it was Nick Fury that killed them, and him knowing that it wasn't, right? Um, in the very beginning of the episode, we see the promise that Nick sort of made to the Skrulls, um, and the one that Talos definitely wanted them to sort of acknowledge and be a part of, and they all were a part of that, right? Um, in case you didn't notice, a lot of the kids and the children that were in the episode, they can't they can't transform yet, um, and that included Gravik, I don't know if you noticed that, and Gaia who were the two that didn't transform, but everybody that was their promise that said, we're behind you. We 100% believe you. We will protect the earth from these threats, right? From these other threats that are coming down um, from that. But as we know, 30 years later, he still hasn't sort of, you know, fulfilled this promise. Um, One of the most impactful scenes, and we can sort of scoop that in with this scene, is Maria Hill's coffin, right? Like Mm -hmm. her coffin getting put on to air force one to get taken back to the states right and her mom is clearly there um and i sort of foresaw nick fury like making an entrance and his the mom being like what the fuck right i thought she was gonna slap him um like for a moment and she didn't and nick sort of had to deal with that right in that moment but I i almost kind of think that he didn't necessarily deal with it he kind of just made excuses and didn't necessarily like fully take responsibility for the fact that like this person who I looked up to who was my right hand is dead right um but I want I want to first get to you all what did you think about uh, what did you think about that scene in the moment um what were your reactions let's start with you Tony.
2: um I appreciate the closure uh, mm-hmm. of confirming that Maria Hill is dead so that was first and foremost, like last week, everybody was flipping out. How could you? How dare you? What did you do? And it's like me from like one. We're getting to the point where like the, the franchise itself is over 10 going on 15 years old. Um, this is the constraints with live action adaptations like you have to deal with live action restraints which are people want to move on people uh can't play the same character forever um the other thing about the mcu is that if that person is still alive within the universe why are they not constantly there it's not something that you have to deal with in a comic book it's not something you have to deal with animated um so i think it's always uh for me I thought the reaction to her death was while indicative of how beloved she was, was also kind of, um, I didn't care for the reactions of like, well, how dare this lowly Disney plus TV show take out Maria Hill like this at the Mm, first episode. And it's kind of like, Mm. well, that should tell you how much weight they're trying to put behind their TV entertainment. Um, that this is not Mm. just a random, you know, uh, you know, little knockoff, like this is part of the MCU. Um, And so I appreciated the scene for that, just the finality of it, the closure, the confirmation, because I know everyone was like, maybe it's still a squirrel. And it's like, they've already established what happens when somebody dies, their body immediately reverts back to their uh, natural state. So we know it's not what happened. And to have that of like her mother is there and now the emotional fallout and how that may motivate him going forward yeah i didn't care for the lines where immediately you know the mother is like so this is your fault and it's like i'm sorry since when is terrorism the counter-terrorist fault (laughs) like Mm -hmm. i'd never care for that kind of thing whenever i never care for that trope in any uh in any place but i do like how you know we didn't linger on that and she didn't immediately storm off and say i blame you 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 did this you're at fault and just walk off that you know she did say whatever this is for, I hope, you know, that you make it worth it, that my my daughter's death is worth it. So I did appreciate that. I appreciate the scene. And this actress, I cannot remember her name, but I see her everywhere. She's a fantastic character uh, actress. I'm so sorry that I didn't uh, confirm the name before uh, jumping on here, but I loved her. I loved her in this scene. Mm-hmm. I thought it was uh, a really, really uh, well-acted scene. So um, yeah, I I, I definitely dug that. And and especially where one of my chief complaints about the MCU is that we don't really get to see much of funerals and memorials yeah, and that moment of closure. That was like a huge sticking point that I had in Endgame where it was like, all of these people that meant so much to not only us as viewers, but to the world. Like, the most we got was the Tony Stark, you know, Lakeside bro mm-hmm. And while that was great and awesome, I just kind of felt like that scene could have definitely You know, been extended and even further. You know, like, and then of course the the criticisms were: well, why does Tony get one and not the other heroes that we lost along the way? So, um, I definitely appreciate um, mostly everything about the scene.
0: Yeah, yeah, and like I do have to. I think the the redeeming the redeeming line was her being like, well, then you need to make this matter, and her death not to be some just what, like, blah, and it just kind of, like, didn't matter. Um, and I think that sort of invigorates, not invigorates, but it sort of gives him sort of motivation to um, do what he does later in the episode, right? Um, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, Michael, what did you think about this? What did you think about the beginning, the sort of introduction to going back to 1995, mm-hmm. um, sort of going back to after Cap- this, you know, the, the events that happened in Captain Marvel, all the way up to him promising, you know, the, the, um, the scrolls, a planet all the way up to uh, Maria Hill's death.
1: I thought it was Confirm. really good that they actually fixed a plot hole that I, I had a problem with. And the first one was that they left on a spaceship to go find a new planet in, the, at the end of, um, Captain Marvel. And, and like, well, how does it, that they're still on earth and they're like, you know, they're doing all this stuff. And it kind of addresses that in that one scene. So, you know, that like they, they, he gathers them all together they couldn't find a planet they're back on earth and they're like okay miss you know uh, captain marvel is out looking for a are gonna help us out and in the meantime you guys can stay on earth as refugees that i think i appreciated the fact that they they fixed that plot hole that i thought kind of lingered from the first episode um so that was really good also i liked how it kind of sets up the the graphic thing how how i i did i wasn't really i didn't realize that in the first episode that Nick Fury had known Gravik but I guess it might have been mentioned in the first episode but I just missed I missed it but um I thought that was really nice a nice touch and a nice touch that like Gravik and Gaia were like they kind of knew each other from back then so it, like explains a lot of the relationship with, between the two of them um and also some of Gravik's uh background and history um and then I had a feeling that that one scroll, the one that introduced Gravik would come back later like and of course she does but um but we'll get to that later. Um, and then as, as far as the funeral goes, I appreciate the fact that they actually had the funeral also, like Tony said. Like, we they they never really... I feel like they 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 gloss over deaths of, of characters, like Quicksilver and, and Black Widow and stuff like that. Only mm-hmm. Tony Stark really had a funeral. And so it's nice to see the repercussions of this, especially since she's actually... An, she's a part of the Marvel Universe, but she's a regular human being. She has no powers. And so it's very final. It's very, like... It's very... Um, you have to, like, address the fact that, like, you know... She's a government agent, then she'd definitely have like a casket with like the flag draped over it and stuff like that, and have full rights uh, as as a as a member of the government to like you know be escorted home like that and stuff. So I like I like that they like they went to the details of that. Um, and as far as like the mother uh, confronting Nick Fury, I thought that was really well done. Um, I thought that like she played it the way a mother would, a mother that has accepted that her daughter has this really dangerous job and is like you know this could happen like she she knew the back of her mind that at any time this could happen to her and so i feel like she's angry but she still understands this is what was going to happen and when she says make this worth it i almost felt like that was kind of like a thing that everybody was saying like the people that watched the show are like you better make this worth it because we all liked maria hill so it's like um but um i thought it was really well done yeah
0: yeah yeah. And then um, last but not least, Puma, it looked like you had some difficulty getting that open.
3: It was not. <laughs> I was hoping nobody
0: saw it. No, I, I was like, oh, do you need help? But I, I like I don't know how I could have helped.
3: Was, I'm like, here. Okay. <laughs> um, um, but no. Yeah, so
0: so, what, what do you think about uh, the scenes, the the beginning scenes that we're talking about?
3: uh i love so far that this series just kind of starts off with like bam in your face like it's like yeah. okay they can immediately pick up and then um i love how much the acting and the script is like so on point so far like i love the impactful um you know things that they're saying to each other like the mother saying oh so you're the reason my daughter's coming home in a box mm-hmm. i'm like ding, she just went Drop the mic on Nick Fury. I'm like, that's Nick Fury talking to him. you know what I mean? And um, so just the emotion, the way that everyone is acting, like how they would be in real life. I love, I love how like movie version versus series version. I feel like it's more raw and it's more like personable and like relatable. Like that's exactly how a mother would react in real life if something like this happened. And um, I just really like, I like, I think it was done really tastefully and really impactfully. So I love that. They knew how much we were all like. Why did you do this to Maria? So I like that they kind of like gave her like they made they made it. You know how important she was and how much she meant to like everyone, not just family, not just Nick. Like you could just see how much she meant to everybody that she was that she worked for and was around. So I love that they did a really good job. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so let's just get into let's get into literally the meat of of this episode. Um, uh, eventually, we see uh, the sort of the aftermath of the bombing um, and we see that Talos who, okay, so we see somebody pick up Nick Fury and he's like, who the hell are you? I'm grieving, throw him in a a van and it ends up being Talos. And then they also get the other individual um, who then we see later on in the episode um, who the other people get, right? Or some other people, you know, pick up. Um, And then we see um, uh, sort of these Russian officers come on this train asking for basically Nick Fury, right? Um, and basically Talos is in a female form. He's in another shell um, and basically sed- like seduces the officers and it's like, ooh, like he's not here. Like, why would he be here? Oh my God. And then they're like, okay, sorry, ma'am. And then like, he leaves um, and then yeah. comes back and then he says, you know, and this scene was probably one of the most pivotal parts of this entire episode. I think it was Talos and Nick Fury finally like coming to terms with like, I think it was Talos first coming to terms with the fact that like he was genuinely hurt that one of the people that he trusts the most left, right? For Mm -hmm. Saber. And he never really addressed that with Nick. And I think this was Nick's sort of outburst of his emotions dealing with Maria's death. And so we get this sort of powerful sort of like, this 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 uh, this scene where they're both, you know, sharing things that they're just like shit. Like you know, Talos basically is like, "Well, you left. Like I like what was I supposed to do?" And he was like, "You knew how to get a hold of me." And he was like, "Yeah, but I had a freaking like I had my species to take care of, right?" And then Nick was like, "Nick asked him like how how many scrolls are here," and he's basic basically he tells him every everybody else everybody else that left our planet is here on the earth and i think he said one million uh one million scrolls are here on the planet and nick was like you never told me that and he's like well yeah but i like he's like i have a job and i have a duty to protect my species and he's like we can't we can't coexist together because humans go to war with each other we've been at war with each other since the dawn of time right since we've learned to speak since we've learned to sort of adapt to our environment what makes you think that we could coexist right especially with another species like there's no room for that and that was very powerful for me because i was just like shit like okay this episode's going to be about a lot of truths that like people don't want to hear but they necessarily they need to um and then we sort of switch over to um the gaia and 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 the, the gavik you know where um uh, Gavik basically is like, I want to talk to the council before, you know, all of this, you know, while this is still fresh, while our whole attack, you know, on, um, on, on, it, on that place that they attacked, uh, is fresh, and so we see that scene play out. But before we talk about that, let's talk about this scene in the train because for me, this was probably one of the most pivotal points of it where they kind of, they kind of started to be honest with each other. And then we don't necessarily see them interact at all for the rest of the episode. So that leaves us to, bel- like, lead, le- like, like we don't know what's going to happen, right? Um, mm-hmm. What did you think about this, Puma? What did you think about this scene on the train? What do you think that holds for the next four episodes?
2: Oh, man.
3: So that scene was pretty, that was, like, probably one of the most impactful scenes to me in the episode, minus what happens later um but yeah it's just really tough seeing everybody kind of like starting to be like against their their people that they're supposed to be with that's their team that's their they're supposed to be working together and it feels like they're just like everything's kind of forcing them to be torn apart and you know conflict with each other and that's what's interesting is like they're supposed to be sticking together and having like their bond and their their promise and all that but honestly i don't blame talos because nick really Mm. did kind of just dip out and say hey i'm gonna go to the store Mm -hmm. and get some milk (laughs) you know he went to go get (laughs) cigarettes and never came back so um yeah you know what he had every right to do what he what he did he had to do what he had to do to save his people i'm sure nick would have done anything drastic he needed to to save everyone as well so it's kind of like i can't really blame blame him at all but yeah that was a really tough scene to see because i'm like you know, seeing they have so much history together, and it's kind of just like, I get it, but at the same time, it's like, wow, like you never really know who you can trust, even if they're not. Well, he is a scroll, but you know, like it's yeah. like they had a they had an agreement, and so it's just like kind of kind of crazy to see that like you really can't even trust your closest people that you think you know the most, and it's like terrifying. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I I think that's also important. Where you know, like in this episode, like I think it's mostly with nick talos and gaia where like i was pissed off at Gaia in the last episode i was like really mm. bitch like you really yeah. just told your dad some shit and then it was not true and that was a diversion and then it happened and then i think in this episode we sort of see some realizations with gaia where she's like shit like maybe what i've gotten myself into is not necessarily right like the best option mm-hmm. um and it's not the right way to get so to your point i see both sides right like i I don't want to say like i would do what gavik is doing but i understand right because he's like it's been 30 years and you yeah there's nothing that has happened so far for our species right but i also sort of see like Talos' point of view right where he's like i'm gonna trust in you and i know like you're this like big wig like you handle all this stuff right you had the infinity wars that happened you had all this shit that had happened in between and like I get that but at the same time like I'm still frustrated right like we don't have a place to live and we're sharing the space with you all and we're keeping our promise but 30 years later like you're still not keeping yours so I see where all of this sort of like confusion or not this frustration can come from right and I see how Gavit could go 100% 100% extreme, right? This dude lost his parents back then, right? Like, both of his parents due to this, like, war that both that his species caused, right? And so I sort of understand and see that. Um, let's go to you, Michael. What did you feel about this scene in the train? Um, and, and sort of, what do you see subsequently happen after? Uh,
1: I feel like that was also a really important scene because it, it really j- drives home just how massive this problem is, how how much this mm. this um, this invasion i guess is is um, mm-hmm. is affecting the world because like nick fury didn't have any idea that there was that many scrolls and of course yeah. nick fury wants them to be you know once he promised that he'd protect them and help them find a new world but at the same time it's like that he weren't completely honest with them they, when you know he they they told him like one number and and all of a sudden there's like he finds out there's like millions more squirrels living on the earth and he as a human is like well I know what we're capable of and people find out about this is not going to work out well for you guys um and it's not going to work out well for anybody so I mean I understand where he's coming from I also understand where um Talos is coming from because like as leader of his people he he is entrusted in in, in trying to help save his people and he they had no other choice but to bring him on to Earth so. Um, you could see both sides, and you could see you could see this is where the I think the series is really like starting to form, and you can actually tell yeah. what the problem is going to be, like how how this is going to be uh, a major like even more than like the like the multiverse stuff. Like this is a major problem that needs to be addressed within the MCU, and I think that um this is where this show kind of steps up and steps away from all that stuff, and it's like that stuff is going on in the movies but right now this is really an important thing and that's and this is people that are fans of the universe need to understand like this is going on and this needs to be addressed and this is why this show is important so i think yeah. i think it, it really it basically it does a great job setting up of where people can expect the show and and the underlying subplot of the whole mcu where it's going
0: yeah absolutely yeah i This whole entire episode, like this whole series, I think is changing the way that I view sort of shows that are now being produced by Disney, you know, Disney plus on, you know, regarding the MCU. Um, And I kind of said this the last episode, like, I have not been disappointed. Like, yeah, I've been like, "Eh, that's weird, but I haven't really been disappointed with any MCU like series shows so far, like even WandaVision, right? Like there was some things that happened in there that'd be like, oh, that was weird, but at the think like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I'd say is by far one of the best series produced yeah. things that have come out from the MCU ever. Um, it tackles so much, um, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then Tony, w- what did you think about this scene? What do, what do you think the impact is uh, moving forward in the in the series?
2: Um, I well immediately had questions because all he said was a million squirrels that left and that now somehow landed on Earth. When is that back in 97 is that in 2020 some you know like where are we or hell we might be in 2030 depending on where we're at in the timeline um but yeah where where, when are these so if it's a million people that less that landed back in 97 that's more than a thousand people by this point you know because you have to imagine that like you know they're able to procreate they're able to have kids we do mm-hmm. see you know young small kids so yeah, so I think it's even bigger than a million. Um, and the other thing I really enjoyed, you know, just outside of like the implications of how massive the problem may be, was the backstory that we got on Nick Fury. Finally got a confirmation that, you know, he's from Alabama and that he's mm. definitely old enough to remember, you know, segregation, especially in the in the deep south. Um I love that, you know, he uh immediately just talked about his interactions with his mother and about you know, their travels and, you know, immediately I'm like, well, you're going from Alabama to Detroit. What's in Detroit? You know, is that, you know, do you have family? Do you come from a big family? You know, is there just like a whole huge, you know, fury family reunion that we don't know about Of just <laughs> we're like super excited about cousin Nick. I mean, I don't know. Um, but I just immediately love those little tidbits that we get from these characters because we tend to drop them in these stories where they're just, Plot point A, plot point B, mm. action scene, and then so on and so forth, rinse and repeat. And we don't really get to know much just about who they are and their own interactions and their backstories and anything that's not currently happening on the screen. If it doesn't pertain to the problem at hand, we don't usually get uh, those tidbits. So I really loved that we were able to kind of like insert, you know, that sort of backstory, um, regardless if it's actually true or not. I just love the fact that right now, Nick Fury is a guy from Alabama. Um <laughs> the other thing i also want to touch upon just overall in the story they are working so hard so very hard to make samuel jackson look older than he actually does (laughs) they are working the hell out of those gray hairs (laughs) and that beard i'm like i've seen samuel l jackson i know how old he is like that is not how that dude looks he will look the same until the end of his days he will always be, you know, eternally 45. Like <laughs> he is not this dude. And like the fact that they take great pains for like for him to have a really passionate monologue. Because, you know, people cough
1: yeah.
2: and or, oh, he's so winded. Let me take a so, <laughs> just take a breather, sit on this bench like an old man that I have. um, Yeah. So that was just one thing where I'm just like they are, they are doing so much to convince us that this is old man fury and i'm like he hasn't been, it's not been that long guys it's not been that long yeah
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> um
2: and in game, he was fully totally fine um totally okay in full you know health as far as we could tell so um yeah but overall love the train scene loved everything that was uh that was included into it um i liked this you know the back and forth i love when marvel mm. comes, gets to talk and it's just camera a and camera b i love that
0: yeah yeah, I, I think one of the most important points is, like, especially with these series, is, like, now we're getting into sort of the nitty-gritty when it comes to people of color, especially in the MCU, and sort of introducing those sort of equitable and, like, those, those equity and diversity issues, right? Like, we definitely see this later with a scene with Rorty where basically he's like, oh, okay, so you've become that boy like you've become the government's bitch and like they don't necessarily say that right but then when Roddy delivers the news he's like oh he's like okay i see you now right and it becomes that sort of like that like if if you like if you do come from a certain culture you do come from you know like it's the look it's it's the one word right it's the thing that and you're like oh so now he sees him in a different light right and i appreciate that right like that's exactly what happened with falcon and the winter soldier right like where we get those like oh yeah the first super soldier was a black man right but of course because he was black they didn't want to necessarily promote him so then it was steve rogers right and we get those sort of like we get the 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 segregation talks we get the we get the references to all of that right and the fact that like the MCU now is not like devoid of that, right? Like they're trying to introduce that history into these shows and into these series. And I think that's amazing. And it's just, it's beautiful to see on screen um, to just, you know, kind of t- get that affirmation. Um, I-, I definitely want to talk about, um, uh, I definitely want to talk about Davic scene with the council or Gravix scene, excuse me, with the council, because Every time they introduce, like, a new character, whether it's the news or whether it's some Flash thing, I'm like, that's a fucking scroll. <laughs> and I'm so happy that this council confirmed my suspicions, right? Everybody, like, the the guy on the FXN news, who, if you didn't, like, notice, took, like, a hit at Fox News, um, I was like, oh, that's hilarious. And then it was, you know, the person that was in the UN, and then we have somebody that is the prime minister for the UK, right? Like, these are... We get in this room where he tries to go and visit um, the council, and they're all scrolls. And I was like, ah, I knew it. I was like, I knew it. They're infiltrating us, right? I'm halfway partial to believe that Dylan McDermott is a scroll, but I'm not going to say anything because he's a little fine little daddy. So I'm not going to say anything <laughs> now. Um, but um, let's talk about this scene because after this, we clearly see that Gravik is basically enforcing his authority into the world and into the scroll sort of like hierarchy right he basically is the general now of this sort of war that he wants to take on with humans right um this scene had a lot of dialogue it had a lot of um you know i definitely thought that the woman that left was going to get killed but she didn't so i was like oh "Oh my god she's gonna get off but she wasn't And he was like you won't get hurt i promise you um, and I think this is sort of when we see um, Gaia's sort of curiosity get peak, right? And she's like, I really need to know what's going on because this guy is keeping a lot of things from me. And I feel like she knows this. Um, and so this scene right here, I think the thing that I took from it was like, dang. So he basically, he basically is the authoritarian in the entire sort of like rebellion against, you know, Nick Fury. And he's pissed and I get it. What did we think about this scene? Um, what were your overall takes from it? Michael, we'll start with you. Was there anything that you caught that you were like, oh, shit, like this is it's getting like really bad
1: now? Um, well, the main thing is that once the scene starts and they're going to the meeting and then he says, if I don't come out in an hour or something, you know, shoot this guy in the head. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, like he he he's not he must be like a low level guy. Like he's not he's, he's worried about his own safety here. But then as the meeting goes on, you realize that, oh no, he's actually more important than any of these people. Like he's got them in his pocket basically. And he's, he's, he's the one that's pulling, that's pulling all the strings. I'm like, wow. It's like you, you go from like, you you start thinking that like, oh, he's just kind of a rebel leader and he's not really, he doesn't really have much influence. He's got to convince everybody and he's going to probably be at odds with his own people. But then you realize, no, he's like the mastermind. He's got everybody like working for him. So it kind of like it, it just solidifies how big of a threat he personally is. Mm. It's like, it's not just the movement it's him and mm-hmm. you got to deal with him before you can take it, worry about, worry about like kicking out the movement. He's the head of it. So you gotta, you gotta figure this out. And the fact that I don't think they realize that yet. So it just kind of like it, it sets up so much more like, like drama for what's going to happen coming in the coming yeah. uh, episodes. Um And also it's like, you can see that guy is kind of like putting two and two together she's kind of like mm-hmm. being curious about things i'm like you know a little too late for that i mean you're already your kind of like deep in there like someone just like a lot of people just died because you were did you you acted wrongly so it's like i don't know i wonder if like if she is were it was is doing these things out of guilt or she's doing these or she's always been like really like curious about this and she's just one to blow her cover or something like that so there's a lot of questions that it it, it answers as far as like you know who Gravik is and wh- how important he is but also it, it introduces a lot of questions like you know like basically like as far as gaia goes and as far as like you know who else in the council is there anybody in the council that can stand up to him and it's like is there anybody that wants to stand up to him and it's like there's one person but does she have can she do anything about it like it seems like she can't because they have all these people that are just that are in high places, the head of NATO, like UN and stuff like that, and it's like, wow, this is like a stacked deck against against uh, Nick Fury and everybody else trying to do right here. It's like I don't see how they can come out of this. So it's it's really interesting. It raises the stakes. It's um, mm-hmm. it, it sets it up for for good conflict.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, just to let you know, Eric's in the chat. Hello, Eric Hartley Seven. He redeemed hydrate. So everybody hydrate with whatever you are drinking with. Mm-hmm. take a little sippy sip Uh um yeah i i definitely agree like this definitely set the scene for a war that's coming up right it definitely set the scene for something that is going to be more menacing and like i said establish his authority within that because the minute he got back to home base they all knew about it um and and so you know these are people that believe in him these are people that will follow him to death right and so Definitely um something to watch out for. Puma, what did you think about this scene with the council? Um, uh, how did it affect you in regard to um this episode?
3: Um, it pretty much kind of like so, like how you said it kind of solidifies like how badass Gravic really is. He's mm. not gonna have any mercy for anyone. Um, I really like that he said, I'm trying to, I wrote down the line because it was super like it was super badass. I was like, Hold on, let me see. Mm. He said, uh, I'm gonna make he said Earth's gonna be our home because I will cause I'm gonna take it pretty much. Like he's just like, you know what? Like he's pretty much like the Malcolm X of the scrolls. He's like by any means necessary. And I was like, I was like, all right, graphics. So um it sucks because I kinda like I feel for him like in like I, it's like he's not doing he's not a good person but I feel for him cuz he's really just trying to like take care of his people and get what he's deserved and promised so but um that was a really powerful scene and pretty much like you said I thought the girl the lady was going to get killed I'm kind of like okay that's kind of interesting that like he killed the other guy that was um being interrogated or whatever and then let her go that was kind of interesting Um, Mm -hmm. So it does show that he does have some sort of kind of compassion or mercy or maybe he just didn't care. I don't really know what the how why that happened, but that was pretty interesting because she kind of undermined him. And um, yeah, it was kind of interesting to just see his character just keeps developing more. You're learning more about him. You get to see a little backstory about like how much he really hates. (laughs) He never liked Nick Fury from the beginning. So it's kind of like interesting to see him at that young age where they do the flashback scene, seeing how he interacts with them there. Then when you remember about the last episode, seeing how he interacted and was like, you know, the smirk he gave him and the whole like vibe he was giving Nick Fury uh, during the bombing scene uh, versus now he's kind of just like, you can tell he's just gonna gun gun straight for Nick Fury. Like, I feel like that's there's gonna be some epic battle uh, coming up later on between the two of them specifically. Um, I'm excited, this is, it's like, it's so good. So good.
0: Yeah. Uh, it, it it this yeah I think this episode like showed a lot of people like what's to come especially in the next four about like what might happen and what could entail from possible things right and we're gonna talk about two two of the best two of the best scenes I think so far in the entire um, episode um, but Tony I want to get first your reaction to sort of this council scene um, with with Gav- with uh, Oh,
2: you're on mute. Ah, I was trying to like save you guys from my weird eating noises. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Uh, No, I was just saying that uh, I don't re respond well to just blind ambition and villains. Like it's just kind of like Mm. laughable. Like I'll take over the world. Okay, (laughs) why the world? Like all right, cool. Um, Be original, I guess. Um, And so this idea of like taking over literally just taking over the world was just kind of like all right okay uh lofty aspirations Mm -hmm. um but then when he uh when Shirley, the world leader that doesn't go ahead and submit to him and she says you know exactly what she needs to say and it's a very powerful statement about their history and why she doesn't support any of this at all and will not be submitting. And I think she's very aware of the fact of like, all right, these might be my last words. Um, so immediately I just was like, man, that's a badass lady. That that's an amazing person. I immediately wanted to know more about her, who she was and where, you know, where she fits. I'm trying to find out what I can about her, but all it says is really that she's a world leader, uh, on the scroll cancel. And it's like, all right, (laughs) that's nothing. I can make my own like, you know, assumptions, but, um, I I just thought that the actress that played them, you know, the lines that they were given, um, fantastic, absolutely loved it. And I didn't respond to Gravic at all until this moment where he says, if I had a hundred of you, you know, I could take over the world, the universe, you know? Um, And I just was immediately like just struck by the fact that he's very aware of the people that submit to him are like worse, are like not worse, but like less. (laughs) They matter less to him than the one woman that's willing to say like, no, I will not. <laughs> not gonna support this. I can't for the following reasons. And I just immediately like was like, oh, okay, now I get this guy. Now I immediately understand that he's someone who, yes, has a mission, has a purpose and believes in it to, you know to you know, the bottom of his of his soul, but he's someone that's able to respect and appreciate the strength in others. Um, I don't like these prototypical villains that immediately when somebody like, you know, disputes them or, you know, has something to say in opposition to them, they're just immediately gone. Like, we're so used to it. We all thought like, yeah, this lady is gone. She's dead. She'll be killed in the alley right outside. Right. Somehow, some way. There's no way he's letting her leave. Um, But the fact that he's not insulted by her opposition, that he immediately is just like. Yeah, absolutely. You're amazing. Fantastic. You know, you won't be harmed. Calls her sister, you know, and just, you know, has that respect for her. I just immediately was like, I like this guy. I don't fully know him and his deal and really what the end, you know, his, his end game for his, uh, his big evil plan is. But um, I immediately just like, it was a switch, like instantaneously where didn't like him, didn't like him. Oh, okay, now I'm invested on a level that goes just beyond Nick Fury. Um, so that was that was really, really great and amazing. Um, I also appreciate that Shooter McGavin, Chris McDonald, is there.
1: Ah. <laughs> and that yeah.
2: if, if Chris McDonald is going to do anything, he is going to be slimy and weaselly. Yes. It's just that white dude that you really want to punch in his face because he's just a little too smarmy. And that's exactly... <laughs> The, Tuck, the Tucker Carlson, you know, stand-in should be like perfect casting. He yeah. I think he had a single word to say. And just him being him and just his physical performance was just like, I know exactly who that guy is. Even if I had not seen the scene before where he's doing his Fox News, you know, thing, Um, I knew exactly who that guy was. And it just was like, ah, mwah, love character actors. Loved it. Loved the scene.
0: Yeah, it was great. And I, um, that definitely was a scene where I was just like, I was like, damn, I'm like, you so, oh, it, it was like kind the whole time, right? Like they were all in on it and they all just like fell for it. Um, and so before we like get to even closer to, we got to end, there's two things I want to talk about, actually three things. The first is very quickly, did you all see that um, cameo um, when Gaia was on the computer and Groot was at the very top of the DNA samples?
2: Yeah, um,
0: no. you did it. Okay, so they go back first, and watch.
2: They had an ice giant. Yes. Uh, I didn't get what the third one was. It was an
1: extremist. No, uh,
2: extremist was four. There was another one in between. Oh. Uh, the ice giant. They called it a Frost yes. Um uh, And then there was a third one called like something like a obsidian something or other. Oh, or yeah. obsidian
1: was one of um, one of uh, Thanos' henchmen. It was the one with the, the skinny one with the spear. Yes, yes. infinity. War? Yeah.
0: Got so it. that that begs the question like were they scrolls or were they actually right so it begs the question that like was this secret invasion already happening while the events of like infinity war and end game were already happening right like what what is going on there right so i just want to like i just want to put that out there for the for the world right like yeah, well, was interesting... this oh sorry no no, no go ahead good
2: ahead. well the interesting thing is that if they're shapeshifters if they're infiltrators they could be any number of world governments could have access to those. Mm-hmm. So yep. how difficult would it be for one of them to, I don't know, uh, disguise themselves as a Wakandan or right. disguise themselves as, you know, somebody right. from any number of world governments and, you know, just allow themselves into the super secret medical vault and say, Oh, we've got a nice little piece of Groot here. And now it's, yep. now it's with yeah. us. It's just, uh, yeah, it's a really, really fascinating and interesting implication that, they're everywhere. And it's great. I yeah. love I love that premise. Love it. Very excited about where it goes.
0: Yes. Um, I definitely just really quickly want to talk about the Sonia Fallswood scene where she's torturing that um scroll. <laughs> I found this scene. Any freaking scene with Olivia Coleman in it is beautiful. Chef's kiss, amazing. I think she's absolutely wonderful. But this was actually kind of pivotal, and I think for several reasons. I think because Sonia Fallsworth is so important to this sort of story arc, right? Like, I feel like that scene in the first episode with Nick Fury, this is who Nick is going to come to now um, after the events of the whole Rhodey scene, which is the second scene that I want to talk about. Um, I think this is going to be pivotal to the plot of Secret Invasion, right? Because he basically has nobody that he can turn to now because Rhodey has now... I essentially turned against him right but I, I love this scene because we kind of get to see her work right we get to see her she knows who she's dealing with and she gets the answers that she needs right she gets all of that um, and then we definitely see Gravik doing a rescue mission where these people don't stand a chance against these scrolls um they basically get this like captive this captive guy and they eventually shoot him because he knows that he told her stuff. Right. Like that. Mm-hmm. He told her, you know, secret information about this. Um, and then secondly, I would like to talk about the scene with Rhodey. Um, That was really powerful for me because Samuel definitely reaches into the, well, people like us don't get here because we because of who we are. We have to work 10 times harder in order to be where we're at. And so we need each other's backs. And Rody basically says, fuck you. Right? Like, we see this. He's like, I volunteer to tell you that you're fired. You're no longer a part of the government. The government wants something to do with you. And we get that iconic line where Samuel says, even um, when Big Nick Fury... Fury. He said, even when, when Nick Fury... Out of it. Yes. And that <laughs> yeah. was so good. I was like, yes. And then we and then we see him do the old man thing where he's like on the bench and you're like, okay, like, take a breath, Grandpa. And then you <laughs> like, go and do your thing. But was- I think this... I think this scene is so powerful um, because basically Rhodey has become Rhodey's become the government, right? Like he's become that's who he is now, right? Like completely he's been through the events of of, of the Infinity Wars. He's been through all of that. And now he has to focus on what this is. And he's basically like, yeah, you're no longer our guy anymore. And Nick Fury's like, okay, cool. And then let's throw in that little end scene where we're like, oh, so you got a squirrel wife uh, at home um, that you don't necessarily tell people about, right? Mine. What did we think about? I was like, good, but good for you. Good for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. Big, <laughs> little, diverse, interspecies person. Um, <laughs> let's talk about these last scenes. How impactful were these for you? Um, let's start with you, Tony. Uh, what did you think about all of these and the culmination of the, the last of um, of these episode, of these scenes?
2: Right, i'm gonna try to do this quickly um i know it's, it's so much it's so I much know. uh sonia fallsworth is literally the character i have been waiting for i've been dying for just basically the uh i don't know if we can call her good but she's basically not an evil version of dolores umbridge i've been waiting for that
0: <laughs>
2: i've been waiting for someone that will smile in your face cram improper proper. And torture the shit out of you. I absolutely have been waiting for that character because those kind of characters exist, but they're always men. The men are allowed to be unhinged, and the women, especially like in these spy thrillers, they're always like no older than twenty six. Natasha Romanoff, like cat suits, like they're sexy. They're they're they may be amazing and fantastic, but they're not Olivia Coleman you know, literally going to torture somebody with a brooch and a handbag and like a speed <laughs> coat. Like, loved it. Could not say enough about that scene. I would watch this entire show if it was nothing but her torturing individuals. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Loved it. Um, the Rhodey scene, I, yeah. We always want Rhodey to be more rebellious than he actually is. He is such a G-man. He is such a company guy he is the guy that is always the last one to jump on you know uh, the rebel train and you know finally join his friends in the good fight uh just because he's always trying to like maintain the status right he's always trying to you know follow orders to the best of his ability um and then i think there was also something very valid you know very valid about his response where he's just like why wouldn't you call us and that's the thing that he doesn't say Why didn't you call us? Why did it need to be the thing that only you and Maria Hill took on? And I get it. The the explanation being, well, we don't know who to trust, but that's difficult to say to somebody that you're now trying to reach out to and be like, please don't like take any consequences out on me, even though there were literally 2000 dead people lying somewhere in Moscow. Like that's, that's a bit much. You got to admit, like that's a bit much for even him to be like, you know, oh, please help me out here because, you know, for whatever reason it's like why would you why would you not and especially considering that all of, of all the avengers that he possibly could have called roadie would have been the logical choice he's military he's in the government more than likely he does know about the squirrels when yeah. uh, I, I i also hate the fact that this show is pretending that the squirrels were such a huge like perfectly kept secret that there's no way that nobody else but nick fury New, even though there's a million of them running around and <laughs> It's like i'm sorry dude didn't you put this in a report somewhere you're telling me that nobody <laughs> nowhere in the span of like from 1995 to now nobody said a word and like mom was the word because all spies are honorable um i just was like amazed at the fact that he just never thought to like of the people that i could call roadie would be the one that would be able to like I could get up to speed and I might be able to trust even if he is a squirrel like but chances are he's not you know Um, the last scene with uh, him and his wife again I love when we expand just beyond you know the explosions and the chase scenes and you know um, so I thought that that was once I saw it I was like of course everyone has been crying around about how Nick Fury left and what was wrong with you? Why did you leave us? How could you? And in my mind, I'm like, it's got to be a damn good reason. And it has to be a moral reason. This isn't a tactical decision. It's an emotional one. And there's not a greater emotion than like devotion and love. So like, absolutely. I was like, oh yeah, this makes sense. If you fell in love and he went so far as to leave earth, you know, leave his work, leave the Avengers for years. Like, of course he did. Of course he did. It just made complete and total sense. I hate that we just stopped the episode at that point. Mm-hmm. And we don't get to see, because then the other thing I didn't like is that I was scrolling on Twitter and someone was like, "Does does he know that she's a squirrel? Does he know? And I'm like, this is why I don't like these scenes where it's like, you're just ending on a cliffhanger, especially one like this where you're not actually allowing people to like, it is a valid question because it's like, maybe oh, yeah. he doesn't there is that slight chance that he does it but it's incredibly unlikely and i just don't like the fact that the choice was let's just really pay the hell out of this otis redding licensing fee and mm-hmm. just write it out to the to to the credits but yeah those are my thoughts uh tens across the board
0: yeah i so correct me if i'm wrong i think he knows she's a scroll because that was the same scroll that brought um graphic. to him in in 95 and so i think he knows but that's why i'm like i'm like yes like i don't want to be
2: exist but i'm having real difficulty telling people apart when they're in the squirrel makeup right right uh, so i did not catch that at all
0: but we didn't I, i don't think did we see her transform when they all transformed or was she on the side because i didn't see her
1: no i don't think we saw her transform that's why it's a question it's still a question yeah yeah. yeah
0: and so i'm like oh is it the same is it not because he greeted her the same way he gre- he greeted um talos but i'm like that's how we'll all squirrels greet each other so i'm like maybe that was just him trying to anyway okay let's get to you michael um and uh what did you think about these last scenes um how mm-hmm. did that recap the episode for you
1: um, I'll go through real quick. Um, I thought Livy Coleman was amazing in that scene. She's like the the so proper man. English spy. You know, it's like, I, I love yeah. how you played it. Um, this is a character that I wished we could have more of. Um, I I hope that that she has a bigger part to play in the Marvel Universe coming up. Because, I mean, I can't get enough of this character. It's great. Um, she was 100% uh, uh, refreshing and uh, definitely a needed character in this universe. Um as far as what was the other thing oh rody um i appreciate that he's like he's i i it bother like everybody gets bothered that like he's so straightlaced and government um you know centric but it makes sense for his character and i understand that character because i think you need that character uh because i mean in real life there are people that are that are good people but they just really you know a lot of the times they're you know career military and stuff like that mm-hmm. and they just they just grow up believing that like in you know, the military way is the right way and and they believe in their government and stuff like that and he's not a bad person for doing that but he's definitely like you wish he would like be better than what like you know like help Nick out a little bit more you know what I mean but I, I appreciate that they, they are able to differentiate the two sides the two different people you know it's like well they're both they're both basically government guys but but um, Rody is like, he's, he's, he's very practical. He's very, he's very practical as far as like, you know, you know, 2000 people died in Russia when we we're on the brink of world war three. Like, yes, you're fired. <laughs> I mean, it kind of has to happen. So it's like, uh, it makes sense that, and I appreciate, I appreciate that, that he stays true to that character. Cause I feel like that's the character that was established in previous movies and stuff like that. And as far as um, the big surprise wife, I thought that was great because it, it gives, it gives a, another layer to Nick Fury, kind of like when, when mm-hmm. we wonder like, okay, so was she on the space station with him the whole time? Did he? Because they have a house. Mm-hmm. It's like, and it seemed like a very well put together house, and he just got back to Earth. So was she there the whole time, or did she like, did she bounce back and forth? and Did he I leave? it
2: was an Airbnb, if I'm honest. It didn't really? seem like <laughs> the whole they had lived in. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about that. So yeah, it could be, definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I want to know more about the relationship and like, like is he trying to protect her? That's why he's like, he doesn't like wear the wedding ring and stuff like that. So no one knows that he's married and I don't know, it's very interesting and it's 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 got me very curious about like what's going to happen with that. So,
0: awesome. Absolutely. And last but not least, Puma, what did you think about all of this? What did you think about this, um, these last scenes in this episode?
3: Um, I love uh, Olivia Coleman. I wasn't familiar with her at all until this series. And it's like, Her sassiness, her snarky comments, her one liners, like whoever, whoever did casting, whoever did the script is like a genius because everything just hits like it's like every Mm -hmm. almost every single sentence or phrase every character says is just like, damn, you know, like it's not just like. Mm-hmm. random blabbering or just small talk or whatever it's all like some very heavy phrases and I'm just like she's so badass like I love her I'm like she's probably one of my favorites in this series like I'm like I I hope that she has more screen time Um, I hope there's more interaction between her and Nick because she really like did not hold back on him she had no no shame on calling him out um but yeah that was one of my favorite scenes that was really good um you know girl power love it um and (laughs) then uh what was the second scene the second scene was Rhodey and Nick Fury correct
1: yeah yes
0: yeah
3: yeah okay um that one kind of broke my heart because it's true I love like you said I earlier I really do love that they're hitting on like racial um issues and stuff like that because like especially the first the first um episode they're like you can't go walking around at nighttime, you know, black guy in Moscow. Mm. And then like, then he talks about the spooks and she's like, you can't say that. He's like, no, you can't say that. Like, so I just <laughs> love that they're kind of like introducing like racial tension and racial issues, but like in a light way, they're doing it very tastefully. Um, but the fact that they show Rody kind of like, being like you said, fuck you to, to Nick. I'm just like, damn, it's true. Like, it's really hard. You Like, you you haven't seen very many Black characters in the MCU mm-hmm. besides them, besides Falcon. And it's just like, you know, to see two of the top ones that you're so used to being around, like, not have each other's back. It's true. Like, that's how you you really have to have each other's back in certain situations. Granted, Nick fucked up majorly. He fumbled the ball hard. But um, the fact that he's like, yeah, I volunteered... I'm like, wow, okay, mm. that's kind of shitty because I mean, there's so many things he could have done, he could have suspended him or something, or you know what I mean. But the fact that he's like, No, you're fired, there's a car for you, bye. I was like, Wow, that kind of hurts, that kind of sucks. Um, but like, Nick is Nick Fury, so like that, that liner, like that, that was my favorite line of the series so far. He's like, Even when I'm out, I'm in, I'm like, It's fucking Nick Fury. What, how are you gonna fire Nick Fury? You <laughs> mean, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like the fuck? <laughs> um, so that was really cool, and then lastly. I'm sorry?
0: No, go ahead. I was just laughing. Oh.
3: And then lastly, what was the last one?
0: Oh, uh, the, the scene with Nick Fury and his wife.
3: Oh, yeah. Um, I feel like... I'm trying to recall. I feel like they showed some interaction with them in the first episode, like some kind of flashback or something. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But I feel like I kind of saw something about that or some kind of, like, hint that they were, like, together or flirting or something. I'm not sure. Uh, but that's really cool and interesting to see. Um. Yeah. And the fact that she's just kind of like, I I don't really see a lot of security in their home. So it's kind of interesting that like nobody's been able to track him or find where he is, wherever they are. That's kind of interesting to me. I'm kind of, you know, trying to see where that goes. Because I'm like, it's Nick Fury. There's no security. There's no like you're just chilling out of like you said, almost Airbnb kind of situation. Like anybody (laughs) could just show up and find you. Someone could be trailing you. So, yeah, that's I'm excited. I hope they show more of, like, the backstory of where he's been this whole time and what happened and, like, why he chose to do what he did. Like, what kind of, like, what kind of decision, like, did he have to, like, do to be, like, wow, I really need to, like, not be there for this, even though, like, literally thousands, maybe a million people were going to die because of this. Like, it's interesting. I want to see. We need to know why. The people need to know, Nick, okay? Why you (laughs) abandoned us, okay? You called out Captain Marvel so many times for abandoning us and not being there when you needed it, but then here you go you know being on for 30 30 years so yeah
0: yeah definitely yeah this i feel like it left us with more questions and i feel like that's how episode one was um where we were just like wait what wait no wait so who what's going on (laughs) um and so i'm excited to see where this next episode brings us and this entire series brings us um but unfortunately that is all the time we have left to talk about Secret Invasion episode two. It's been wonderful and amazing to hear all of your opinions, to hear um, your conspiracy theories and where you all think that this is going to go. Shout out to my guests tonight, Michael, Tony, and Puma. Y'all are amazing. You all are wonderful when you are guests as well as hosts. So um, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts about the future of this series. Um, And first and foremost, but last and certainly not least, Michael, where can we find you on the
1: socials? Uh, you can find me on Grip C47 on all on all socials. Um, yeah, that's about it.
0: <laughs> nice. And Tony, where can we find you?
2: You guys can find me on all the social medias at the Tony Sanchez, Tony with an I Sanchez with a Z. Nice.
0: And Puma, where can we find you?
3: Uh, pretty much all social media under uh, at Puma does cosplay. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I have a Twitch. I need to start this more but yeah pretty much anywhere you can find me there <laughs> Puma
0: does cosplay. Nice. oh yes absolutely um and you can find me on instagram city of stars 13 um and definitely i forgot to mention this earlier but since it is the last day of pride month for the entire month of june we are fundraising uh for the trevor project um it is a nonprofit organ- organization focused on suicide profession suicide prevention efforts Uh, Among LGBTQIA+ youth. So please, if you can donate, please donate to this wonderful organization. They are amazing. They are wonderful, awesome, and they do a lot of uh, beautiful work.
1: Yay! Happy Pride! (laughs) Um,
0: We all need to be celebrating Pride. Um, Since you know we got some news today, Um, we need to be celebrating and in uh, in community with one another. So don't forget. That the closest people to you are probably the um, most wonderful and amazing and beautiful supporters of your life. Um, your life matters and all of us um, together make a powerful statement about community and our rights. So thank you again for tuning in. Be sure to join our discord to keep the conversation going as well as subscribing to all of our platforms, which are at non talk network. Tune in to our next show, which I do believe. Um, should be sometime soon. I don't see it here. But until then, I'm your host, Jordan Orozco, and you all have a nomorific evening. Goodbye.